All right, church, it's good to be back with you again. I'm very excited about this. Um, so this month for the church is a month on Sabbath rest, right? And the idea of Sabbath was given by God to be a 24-hour period that went from Saturday to Sunday, okay? And so we talked last week, if you were here last week, if you weren't, go back and watch it or listen to it. That'll kind of help things for today. Um, we talked about this idea that God created us to not be busy 24-7 all the time. He's called us of, of a time to rest. God himself rested, right, during creation. He didn't have to. He didn't need it. It's not as though he was tired. But in order for us to be able to see, right, God called us to imitate him by keeping the Sabbath. And as we talked about last week, when we try and imitate God, it's very, very evident very quickly that we are not God. And so that puts us in our right place to see that we are designed to worship God, to how we get to that point. And one of the things, the takeaways from last week was to try and find sometimes some intentional Sabbath time devoted to God. So what are the things in your life that draw you to worship God and spend time doing those things? And so when we talked about that, we started in Exodus. So Exodus was from last week, and so we're going to show you this up on the screen because the two times where the Ten Commandments are given is, is once in Exodus and once in Deuteronomy. And so the reason that God gives for keeping the Sabbath is different in each spot. So let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. If you have one of the Bibles on the pew in front of you, it's on page 52. I said pew, we're not in pews, we're in chairs. In the chair in front of you. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now this is again reminding us, imitating God helps us to see that we are not God. And so that puts us in our right place to understand that the world does not revolve around us. It was never intended to. Things go south quickly if we try and live a life of the world revolving around us. So we had to figure out why would God put that in there, right? Deuteronomy gives us another example of when the Ten Commandments were given. And so a lot of it's going to look the same except for the very end. So in Deuteronomy, and this is what we'll be basing everything today on, Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. It's on page 124. But I want you to notice when we get to the end the difference with this. Chapter 5, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. And here's the big difference between Exodus and Deuteronomy. Verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. 
there are two different reasons given. So the first thing we need to understand is it's not a, it's not a contradiction, right? It's not that somebody messed up in Exodus and somebody did something different in Deuteronomy. God has all kinds of reasons for the things that he's doing. I once heard a pastor say, in our lives, God's doing about a thousand things at once, and if we're lucky, we're aware of like three of them, okay? God's ways are so much bigger for us to try and figure that out. Um, it's really just kind of, a, kind of a futile effort. But to understand that God, God's ways are higher than our ways, so whatever he has called us to, there are many reasons for that to be happening. So this isn't a contradiction, it's just, again, more than one reason. And so what we want to do sometimes, when we read the Old Testament, the first thing we want to do is say, okay, how does that apply to me today? Please don't do that. Don't start there, right? You want to eventually get to that point. But the first thing you, that we need to do is we need to look at how it was written in the time that it was written for and take those principles from that time and see how it applies to us in 2023. So whenever you're reading the Old Testament, don't just skip straight to what's going on today. Let's look back and think about this. We want to be able to fully understand the principles of Scripture. So in verse 15, what we just read, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Okay, so if you're not aware of this, the book of Exodus tells this story in great detail. I'm not going to go through the whole book of Exodus this morning because we want to get to lunch before 3, right? That's our goal, lunch before 3. But what I do want to do, it is important for us to understand the story of what is talking about, of what God's talking about here. Remembering they were slaves in Egypt. So when we think about this, Joseph was one of the patriarchs of Israel. And I don't mean Joseph the, that was married to Mary, though Jesus' father. This is Joseph from the Old Testament, one of the patriarchs of Israel. And so what had happened, he's the reason that all the people survived and came to Egypt. All the Israelites survived and came to Egypt because he had good favor with the person who was Pharaoh at that time, right? So all the Israelites were welcome. So they continued to thrive. They continued to flourish. They continued to increase in number. They had God's favor, and like I said, Joseph's favor was with the Pharaoh. Well, Joseph dies, and then later, the Pharaoh dies. So a new ruler comes in over Egypt. He has no connection with Joseph at all. He doesn't care about what's happening, what has happened in the past with Joseph. The only thing he can think is, man, the Israelites are continuing to grow and grow and grow. There's more of them. And so I'm concerned that they're going to become so, there's going to become so many of them that they're going to try and overthrow our kingdom. That was his thinking. He was thinking of a fearful mindset, right? So many things that we do in our lives, we talked about this a lot of the sin in our lives comes out of fear, fear of what's going to happen, fear of that God's not going to take care of things. And so what the Pharaoh has done here, he says, you know what, what if they become too much and they attack us, they turn on us, then we'll lose the kingdom. And so his response to make sure that that didn't happen was to make them slaves, to put them into forced labor, to build things for Egypt, to build things for his kingdom. And he made them work nonstop. There were no off days, there were no Sabbath rest days for the people of Israel. And so what happened, the more that the Israelites were oppressed, the more they grew. The more babies they had, the more people kind of like thrived and flourished. And so the Pharaoh said, okay, what's, what's something else I can do to kind of slow this down? And so he told the Egyptian midwives, he said, listen, when an Israelite woman gives birth, 
if it's a male, I want you to kill it. Right? If it's a female, you can let it live. If it's a male, I want you to kill it. But, again, God intervening. The midwives feared God, and so they didn't do this. Right? So they, they refused. They would talk about how vigorous the Israelite women were so that there was never an opportunity for them to kill the male children. So the Pharaoh was greatly bothered by this. So he said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. Now we're going to take all the young newborn males, and we're just going to throw them in the Nile. And they're going to drown, and they're going to die. Right? So think about this. If you're in Israel's perspective, you've, you've been exiled to Egypt. You're not in your homeland. Right? And now you're forced into slavery. And now not only that, if you have children, if you have male children, they're going to be killed. Right? So this is Pharaoh trying to control all of this. And so it's important we understand this, right, when we're looking at this, the reason that God gave to obey the Sabbath. Because we want to see all these things that are happened to the Israelites. And so in this, 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 from the time they were exiled, put to Egypt till, till this point, it's around 400 years. Right? And so their thinking has got to be like, God's forgotten about us, right? God promised us a homeland, but we've been in Egypt for almost 400 years now. And so what's going to happen? Has God forgotten us? We're now being forced into labor. Our children are being murdered. Does God still care? And so it happens. Uh, Moses survives, right? Moses doesn't get thrown out because of Pharaoh's daughter takes care of him. It's a great story. Again, book of Exodus will go into a lot more detail about that. And so God chooses Moses as his representative to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. So Moses goes and he tells the Pharaoh, hey, you need to let us go. God wants us to go uh, to the land that he has promised us, so you need to let us go. And the Pharaoh says, no, you're building everything. You're my slaves. I'm not going to, why am I going to let you go? So what happens next, if you've read the Old Testament, you're, you'll be familiar with this, but God sends plagues on the people of Egypt. And each plague gets significantly worse because what he's trying to communicate to Pharaoh is, listen, I'm in control of all of this, and I'm trying to give you a chance to do the right thing. But every time, Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let the people go. I'm not going to let you guys go off to your land. So God would continue to send plagues that would decimate the Egyptians. And so finally, the final plague is that God says, the angel of death is going to come and is going to kill every firstborn male in, in all of Egypt. Right? It doesn't matter if they're two years old or they're 20 years old. Right? Everyone's going to come. And so, in order for the Israelites to be rescued from this, the command was that they needed to kill a spotless lamb, and they needed to put its blood on their doorpost. So that when the angel came and saw that, he would pass over and leave that house alone. That's where the Jewish holiday Passover comes from, to be able to pass over. And so one thing that we need to see, even at, at this point, Sacrifice has always been a part of God's redemption plan. Bloodshed has always been a part of God's redemption plan because there is a cost for redemption. There's a cost for the things that God is going to be able to redeem. So this happens, right? This happens. A lot of the, a lot of the Egyptian firstborns are killed. So then Pharaoh finally says, all right, you guys can go. So the Israelites are walking. They're, they're leaving. They're headed towards the promised land. They're thinking everything's great. And then Pharaoh changes his mind. So Pharaoh and his army come after them. And again, they're freaking out. What are we going to do? We came, we came out this way. Now we're just going to die. So then the Red Sea parts. God does that. Red Sea parts. Moses and the Israelites walk through. Pharaoh and his army comes after them. God puts the waters back down. God has rescued the Israelites. Okay. That was a lot shorter than reading through all of Exodus. 
And if I left out your favorite detail, I'm sorry. Okay, let's go back and, and read it. And it's, it's better to do that anyway. But that's kind of the gist of where we are to understand that God wants them to be able to remember that. To be able to remember that they were freed from slavery. And so to honor the Sabbath by doing this. And so let's see, let's see why he wants to do this. Let's look back again at verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The only way to their freedom was God intervening. When it says, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, that means God stepped into that moment in history and rescued them. They, did not, they, were, they had no hope on their own. There was zero chance of them getting out of this situation. God himself had to step in, and God had to save the day. God had to get involved to ensure their freedom. Now, we might think, why does God make it a point to tell them to remember this? You would think, wouldn't they remember this time period? Would it be easy for them to forget? But think about our own lives. How often do these big moments happen in our lives, and we've forgotten about them? Right, I, you know, we moved back to Louisiana this past year. I was having dinner with uh, my family. My sister brought up a moment that was a pretty big moment from when I was in high school, and I had forgotten completely about it. And as soon as she starts telling me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Right? We forget things so much, and the reason we forget things is because of how busy we are. We want to just kind of keep going, whatever's the next thing. we got to get to whatever's the next thing. And so God is telling them, he wants them to be reminded we think about how often we forget those things. That's the reason that we have church every Sunday, right? Like, there's nothing new in the Bible from the past couple of thousands of years, right? Every time Matt comes up and preaches on Sunday, he's not coming up with something that just got discovered today, right? The Bible's been around, but we need to be reminded of that. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. He says, we need to be reminded more often than we need to be instructed. Most of us already know what we should be doing. Most of us already know that, right? But we need to be reminded because we're not doing those things, because we tend to forget. That is the reason that we meet every Sunday. That is the reason that it is good for you to be in person, in God's house on Sunday, if at all possible for you, because we're reminded of what God has done for us, and that our rightful place is that the world doesn't revolve around us, but it revolves around Him, and so that should lead us to worship. That should lead us to worship of God. And so the beautiful thing is when God says this, when he says, remember that you were slaves. He doesn't say, hey, I freed you. Here are the things that you need to do to earn that. Here are the things that you need to do to pay me back. Because in reality, that's not possible. There's nothing that we could do to pay God back for what he's done. All he's called them to do is to be able to remember that. So when they're reminded of that, Think about what their first response would be, right? I'm reminded of that man, like, okay, this is the Sabbath day, we've got this time period, and so I know on this Sabbath day, I'm supposed to think about when we were slaves in Egypt and how God freed us. So what that will result in is a spirit of thankfulness to God, and that leads us to worship God, and that is the point of Sabbath, is to take that time to be in worship to God. And so what we need to think about is that, okay, now, if that's what it was done for, right? God has done this. He wants them to remember that so that it results in worship. Because what we need to understand 
is that I and all of you, we were created to worship God. That is the reason that you were created. You were not created to change the world. You were not created to make millions and millions of dollars. Hey, if you can do that, that's great. But that is not the reason that you were put here on this earth. We were put here to worship God because in those moments, moments like this when we're worshiping God together, that is what we were designed for. That is when we are most at peace. That's when we have our most comfort because we are giving God what is owed Him. Those moments are what bring us back to Him. And so now that we understand the whole setting for what's happening here, now we can get to the, okay, we're not in Egypt anymore. This is 2023. How does this apply to me? How does this apply to you? Because we're thinking in our heads, right? Well, obviously we're not slaves in Egypt. And so the majority of thinking we're not slaves to anything. But the Bible says differently. The Bible says differently. Let's look in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, we're going to be looking at verses 34 through 36. Now remember, we're thinking about how this applies to us, how in the New Testament, how through Jesus this connects to us, and we want to say that we're not slaves to anything. Verse 34, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now I know we don't like using that word slavery, right? But what, it, what it's saying is that we're in bondage to that. We are controlled by that. If you are sinning, if you sin, if you don't have your faith in Christ, then you are in bondage to sin. And that is the thing that controls you. And just like the Israelites in Egypt, we cannot break free from that sin by ourselves. God has to intervene on our behalf in order for our freedom to be won. Also, just like the Israelites, sacrifice and bloodshed had to happen in order for our freedom to be won. God has to intervene. In verse 36, it says, if the Son, meaning Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. It's not us doing these things that are necessary to bring us salvation, to free us from sin. It is only God intervening through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, through His bloodshed, His death and resurrection, that allows us to be truly free. The Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So how does this happen, right? How are we set free? We're set free by faith in Jesus, in Jesus, in what He has done, right? In His death and resurrection, in His work on the cross, that is how we are set free. The blood of lambs was put on the doorpost for the Israelites, for, their, for them to be passed over. The same thing is true. In order for God to pass over our sin, the blood of Jesus, the perfect Lamb, covers us and sets us free. And so by faith in Him, we are united with Him. That's what the Bible tells us. We are now hidden in Christ so that when God sees us, He sees Jesus. The only thing that we contribute to this is our faith. That's it. There's nothing that you and I can do to make those things happen. And so what does it mean when we say that we're united with Him? And how does that impact our lives, right? Faith in Him means that we are united with Him. Look in Romans 6. 
It's on page 771 if you're in the, the Blue Bible. Romans chapter 6. First we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, right, meaning if our faith is in Him, we're united with Him, in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self, meaning the self that was controlled and enslaved to sin, our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. It is only by faith in Jesus that we are set free from sin. Now listen, that doesn't mean that we are now, that, that we don't sin, that we don't struggle with sin, right? There's still, the Bible talks about the process of sanctification, and what that is, God is making us more like who He created us to be as we continue to grow in our faith, right? So the reality is, for some of us, we claim that we placed our faith in Christ, but there has been no uh, growth in our lives, Right? The, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Bible says we should be growing in those things. So if we're not growing in those things, we need to take a serious look. Do I truly believe that Jesus has died for my sins? Do I truly believe that He rose again? And now, now that that has happened and my faith is in Him, that my life has changed forever. Because if we're not growing in any of those things, I, we really need to look inward. Why Why not? Is it that we're just giving lip service to say that because it sounds good to say when we come to church we place our faith in Jesus? Or is there a difference in our lives? Again, it doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it means that we're growing in those things. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants to continue to grow us in those things. And so what that means is that sin no longer has control, right? So we're no longer slaves to sin. And what that means is we can now rest. We can now have Sabbath rest because guess what? The price was paid for our freedom. Completely and fully. We can't add to that. There's nothing like, it's not like Jesus did like part of it and we're going to have to like finish the job. It's, it's all done. So this idea that I've got to like kind of like gird myself by the loins so that I can make myself uh, good for Jesus, that's, that's not a thing. Everything that he has done has been enough from the beginning. So what we do, we, we don't say, okay, now I'm going to start doing these things so that, so that I can prove myself worthy of his death. Worthy of the blood that he shed. Guess what? None of us are worthy of that. That was completely a gift of his own choosing. We didn't deserve it. I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. No one in history has deserved that. God, because of his great love for us, has done that. So now... In our lives, right, as we're trying to think, man, like, I, I want to live in a way that honors God. We don't do these things now in order to earn God's acceptance. We do these things because of what Christ has done for us, and so we live in this way as a way of thankfulness. As we talked about with the Israelites remembering those things, when we live a life of thankfulness, it lends us to worshiping God. Because we don't think, oh, the world revolves around me. If the world revolves around you, then your worship is of yourself, right? That's what's happening. You're more concerned about you. You're not concerned about the worship of God. And so things are misaligned in your life. And so that is one of the reasons we feel we have to always stay busy. We always kind of have to prove our worth. 
But Jesus has taken care of all of that for us. There's nothing we can do to earn that. And so that's how God gives us that Sabbath rest. And so now, now that he has set us free, what is the result of the freedom that he has given us? So we're still in Romans 6. I want you to look down to verses 20 through 23. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. You didn't do anything to earn it. I didn't do anything to earn it. It was all God from, be from beginning to end. It's all God. And so once we see that, our thankfulness should result in obedience to God and to what He has called us to. That is, again, that's our act of worship is to be obedient to what God has called us to. Not to look at the Bible and go, you know what? I don't really like what this says, so I'm going to kind of do my own thing. Right? But to look at this and be like, you know what, I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm noticing things in my life that are not in line with what the Bible says. So it's not that we change the Bible to match what we're doing, it's that we change our lives to match what God has called us to. Because again, the world does not revolve around us. It's not on, you know, our culture and society would just be like, hey, like whatever works, you know, it's okay, everything's fine. That is not biblical in any way, shape, or form. Right? God created this world. It is what revolves around Him and is what, if our lives, if we want that true rest, the rest that we so long for, we can only find that in Him, not through the things that we're trying to do. And so true Sabbath brings us to a place of worship. And that's what we were created for. If you have placed your faith in Christ, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about your life before Jesus. And think about that moment or that, that, that period of time when you decided to give your life to Christ. Think about that, what that was like. For the majority of us, that was a humongous deal, right? Like the feeling you got when you gave your life to Jesus. We all thought that that would never change for us. And then we get so busy, we get so consumed with life that we forget what that feeling was like. And so if we're refusing to take Sabbath time... We're getting further and further removed of what it felt like when we truly felt the weight of the world come off of our shoulders. Because that's what happens when we give our life to Jesus. We understand, like, the weight is gone. We don't, we don't have to prove our existence. We don't have to earn love, right? Like, He gives that to us freely because of who He is, because it's His gift. And so when was the last time you thought about that? When was the last time you thought about that feeling? Right? The same thing God told the Israelites, remember this. It seems like they shouldn't forget. And listen, for each of us, if we claim that our salvation is one of the most important, or the most important thing that's happened in our life, but we've kind of forgotten about that, it's the same thing for us. If we're not taking this Sabbath time, when are we going to take time to remember that? When are we going to take time to think about those pivotal moments in our faith journey that are going to give us hope whenever things get tough? Because life's not always sunshine and roses, 
once you start following Jesus, right? And in fact, a lot of times it's just the opposite, but God has promised to give us grace to make it through. And one of those things is to look back at those road marks and to find those moments in your past, in your life, where God has come through because He's promised that He'll never leave us, He'll never forsake us. Our circumstances don't determine God's love for us. God's love for us is always there. And so if we see that, we can have that time of Sabbath rest. We can set that aside and spend that time thinking, okay, all right, last week I told you guys, think about something that draws your attention to worshiping God. So, so for this next week, what I want you to think about, for those of you that are believers, set some time aside and remember, think about what it was like when you gave your life to Jesus, how much that changed uh, your mind, how much that changed emotionally, how much that changed in your life, the way you dealt with people, and really think about what that was like. If, we're, if we really focus in on that, what I truly believe happens is it draws us back to thankfulness, right? To think, man, like, I cannot believe the things I used to think, the things I used to do, the things I used to say, and that I was enslaved to sin and that Jesus freed me from that. That should lead to thankfulness, which should lead to a time of worship. So set aside intentional time this week for your Sabbath time. Again, I know it's very hard for a lot of us to do 24 hours. If you're not already focused on that, find some time. You have to be intentional about it because, as we've discovered, if we're not intentional about our time, our time is gone. Right? If we don't set aside time to think about it, our time is gone. So how are we going to get that Sabbath and get that rest time that we need? And so we want to think sometimes, you know what, I don't need that. Right? I, I got to keep going. Not only is that not biblical, it's, it's against what God has commanded us. For you to never take a break, that is against what God has commanded us. Because the world does not revolve around you. Again, God forbid something happens to all of us this week, guess what? The world's going to keep spinning. Your job's going to keep going. Right? The schools we go to, they're going to stay open. Not a lot's going to change for the majority of the world if something happens to us. And we need to see that as a good thing, to understand that the world is meant to revolve around God. And so when we think about that, when we see that in that way, we can have true Sabbath rest. And for those of you that haven't placed your faith in Jesus, I know that you don't want to hear this, but you're still a slave to sin. You are still in bondage to sin, and that has control over you. Right? All of us are worshiping something, every single one. Even if you say you don't believe in God, there's something that you are worshiping. There's something that you are enslaved to. The only thing that can give you freedom is faith in Jesus. And as we read in, in this last verse, the gift of God is eternal life. You don't have to earn that. He gives that to you freely. But understand that until you place your faith in Him, your soul is never going to be at rest. It's never going to happen. But for those of us that have, let's get back. Let's think about those things that God has done for us. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much for how you love us. God, we thank you that you commanded us to take a Sabbath. God, because you know what we need. You created us, Lord. You knew that we need a break. We need time to sit and be able to think about things, God. And that you know that what's best for us is to worship you. That's what we were created for. So when we take these moments to sit and to remind ourselves of what life was like before you freed us, and now what life is like after you freed us, God, that should lead us to lives of thankfulness, which will lead us to worship. God, that is why we are here, for your worship, for your glory, God, to honor you. We want to make so much of ourselves, but that is a futile thing that we continue to chase time and time again.
We chase these other things that we think will give us fulfillment, God. And then when that doesn't work, we go chase something else. When that doesn't work, we go chase something else. God, but to understand, to come to you and to have faith in what your son has done for us, Lord. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, that is the only way that we can have true Sabbath rest, Lord. Please awaken our eyes and our hearts to see that. And thank you for the way that you love us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.